I'm not sure if I mentioned it before, but when my friend Clay Mason Bannerman and I want to impress our new lady friends, Tiffer and Mickey, we don't even have to take them to a restaurant. That's because we have an entire freezer stocked full of ButcherBox, and that includes high-quality meat and seafood that we can trust. It's so convenient. It's delivered right to our doorstep, and there's always free shipping. I mean, where else can you get free protein for a whole year? Tiffer and Mickey love it, and so will you. At least one of them is always around asking when the new ButcherBox is arriving. Sign up at ButcherBox.com mega and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free-for-a-year offer plus an additional 20 bucks off. Choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at ButcherBox.com mega and use code MEGA to choose your free-for-a-year offer plus 20 bucks off your first order. Thanks, ButcherBox. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mega is an improvised satire from the staff of a fictional mega church. We are here. The Lord, we are here. And we're ready, ready. to podcast. What's up? It's Greyhaws, and this is Mega coming to you from Twin Hills Community Church, where we are getting our mega church a tiny family feel by introducing you to members of our church staff and community so you can be blessed by them. Ah, slay and obey. There is no other way. That's a little catchphrase I'm trying out for myself. Anyway, every week we are joined by some of the, uh, you know, people in our community and usually my co-host Hallie. But this week, um, I would like to say it's a special episode, but it's really not. I got a call at midnight last night from Hallie, and she was crying. She told me that her son, Day, who we've mentioned on this podcast a few times before and who has been a guest one time, unfortunately, had actually been experimenting with marijuana. I said, Hallie, there's nothing that we can do except for confront this head on on the air. And that is why my guest today is Day Labonte. Day, I hope you're feeling pretty sorry for yourself, young man. Uh nice to see you, Gray, and thanks for having me on again. Um yeah, and I'm I'm sorry about my behavior. Uh trust me, it is not my pleasure to have you on in this city setting. Just you wanna use me as an example or is that it? Day okay, first let's start from this place. I'm coming to you with a lot of love right now. Uh, I love you, you. and you are my brother in Christ. Uh, However, Day, I hope you can feel I am really freaking disappointed in you, man. Can Uh, you feel that? um, Yeah. You can feel my disappointment? I'm really disappointed in you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I mean, God is disappointed in you, Day. He is? Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm sorry. Okay. Well, sorry is not good enough right now. We really got to work through what you did and why you did it. So, Day, go ahead and tell everyone what's going on. 
Uh, I smoked pot once. Okay. And you shouldn't be doing that. I know. I feel bad and I told my mom about it when I got home. You told her about it? Yeah, that's why she started crying and called you. Uh, okay, well, I'm glad you were at least honest about that and you you saw the error of your ways. Day, why are you smoking pot? Um, I guess that's a good question. I, I just was curious, to be honest with you, and also I thought that, um, Maybe it would be good for my anxiety. Like uh, maybe well, it would help me chill out and not feel so bad all the time. No day. Uh, okay, it's not going to do that, buddy. Okay? Listen to me. But it did. It, I, I felt great, and I laughed more than I've ever laughed before, and it felt so good to laugh, and I I was, like, happy. Day, you weren't fun. happy. Yeah, you, I was. You were high, okay? And high is not happy. Believe me, brother, I know a lot of guys who did pot, who did a lot of pot, okay? Mm-hmm. And a lot of them are dead now. From pot? No, well, just kind of life choices all around that. But what I'm saying is it's a road to nowhere. And if you don't pull up right now and stop this, I am telling you, you are going to end up like, you know, these guys I went to high school with who are basically, you know, losers. Do you think that God honestly does care about cannabis? Because like, it doesn't say anything about it in the Bible. Uh, yeah, it does day. It basically drunkenness is addressed many times in the Bible. You get drunk and you do crazy things like, you know, make bad choices and show your sons your feet. But you don't get drunk from cannabis. What's the difference? Is it upsetting to you that it is like that it alters your consciousness? Yeah, definitely. And you think that's immoral? I, yes, it's definitely immoral. But we use mind-altering, like, conscious-altering things all the time. No, we don't, Day. What about, like, Adderall and Ritalin? We give that to our kids constantly. Those are prescribed by a doctor. A doctor can prescribe cannabis. Well, yeah, only hippie, weird, loser doctors in California. I just don't know if it is, like, an issue of morality. You know yeah, what I it mean? is, Day. It's right and wrong. And smoking pot is wrong. It's wrong. Why? Because really, the only thing I can think of is that, and you will be right if you said that it is illegal in the state of Indiana. So yeah, it is I illegal in the state. state that is law. what I'm saying. It's illegal in the state of Indiana. But it is legal in the majority of the states in the United States. Hey, you live in Indiana, buddy. Render unto Caesar, okay? Okay. So that's the scripture verse you've got for no pot smoking. Uh, hey, look, as Christians, we are called to obey the law, okay? And the law says no pot for for you, you too. <laughs> they, Where does it say obey the law? Uh, how about Romans 13, buddy? Obey the government for God is the one who put it there. Okay, so if I lived in Nazi Germany and um, the government was telling me that I was supposed to kill innocent people, would I do that? Day, we don't live in freaking Nazi Germany. Okay, look, your yeah, body is a temple, buddy. Oh, okay, so that's the no cannabis verse in the Bible is your body's a temple? Your body is a temple, and if you're in there puff, puff, pass, and smoking it all up, you know, God God is in us, okay? God is in us, and right now, you're smoking God right out. Okay, so according to that logic, then also uh, Krispy Kreme donuts would be immoral, but we eat those at church all the time. We have a food court at Twin Hills that serves pizza and soft serve ice cream and cheeseburgers and, um, uh, you know, candy. 
on the ice cream bar. Like sugar is poison for the human body. So if we want to use our body as a temple, as the verse of how we should be like consuming or ingesting things, then not only should cannabis be off the table, but really anything like that is stuff we give our kids all day long. You come home from school and your mom gives you a cupcake, like that that should technically be like defiling your temple, right? <sighs> no, they, if it's just a little bit of sugar, I'm sure it's fine. So okay. it's only immoral because the state of Indiana has deemed it illegal. Do you know what other things are on the books in the state of Indiana? Do you know that's illegal in the state of Indiana for an 18-year-old to drive anyone under the age of 17 who's not wearing socks and shoes in the vehicle? That actually makes sense to me. Did you know that it's illegal to sell a car in Indiana on a Sunday? Uh, Yeah, cars shouldn't be sold on the Lord's Day. I agree with that. Not allowed to sell alcohol on a Sunday. You're actually technically not allowed to drink out of a bottle in a bar. Did you know that in the state of Indiana, it's illegal to have rounds on the house? Yeah, no one should be paying for free drinks for anybody. Did you know that in the state of Indiana, it is currently illegal to have oral sex, but I don't think Dang. that the like chief of police is not letting his wife go down on him on his birthday. What does his birthday have to do with it? Oh, I thought that was a thing. I Day, I have no idea so if basically your line of logic is that like okay let's say like um let's do like oh uh, it's immoral to have sex before you get married but it is moral to have sex with your spouse right okay so um if uh i were over 21 and living in california and um ingesting cannabis that would be moral I guess it would be, I guess it would be legal, but uh, I still, I don't believe it would be moral now. Well, okay. Do you know what like morality is? Yes, I do. Well, I'm the one who's supposed to be teaching you morality day. I, I do it. I do it week in and week out for hours a day. And that's all I'm working on. Okay. Is trying to bring guys like you who are, fall- buddy, you're falling off the path. Okay. And I need you to just stay on that straight and narrow. Uh, otherwise, I mean, nothing, and I mean nothing good is going to happen to you. Uh, okay. So I know what morality is. Yeah, right and wrong. Yeah, like, well, it's the principles concerning the distinction between right and wrong, or okay. what is good or bad behavior, right? Right, exactly. But do you know what distinguishes that? What tells us what is right or wrong, or what is good or bad behavior? Uh, totally. What? The G-O-D, the man upstairs in Jesus Christ specifically. Uh, no. Morality is actually based on whatever is convenient for the species to expand and fill new niches. Like, oh, morality is essentially about protecting our species' self-taught right to expand our numbers. That's why, like, we say murder is immoral, because we can't expand the species if, if we're killing people. No, day Murder, I mean, I'm not going to say murder... <laughs> Uh, we don't say murder is immoral because of some species thing. We're saying it because God says, thou shalt not kill. Right, but um, bonobos monkeys have moral codes that involve not murdering. Do you think they're hearing from God? Are you talking about the khakis? Look, Christians think God is the source and the executor of morality, but God deems things to be good or bad like, you know, if you read the Bible, what God deems right or wrong is all over the map. Um, I think it's been pretty consistent. Okay, well, okay. Think of like, um, like the story of like, uh, okay, you know how like 
Jacob wanted to marry Rachel, but then he got tricked into marrying Leah, and then he like worked for all those years just to be able to get Rachel back. Uh, yeah, that is a fun one. It's kind of like a sitcom. Okay, so once Rachel was finally married to him, she started dabbling in the front flesh trade. Like as she and her sister Leah not only both sleep with Jacob continuously, but also they give their female servants to be his handmaid's tale style, like for you know him to assault them to make babies. What? And Rachel even pimps out her husband Jacob at one point, like offering his sex work to her sister in exchange for mandrakes. Okay. It's, all, it's in the Bible. It's in Genesis 30. They don't say pimp about the Bible. And also that's OT. It doesn't count. And I don't know why you're bringing Drake into this because that is clearly secular. Oh, well, I just was going to say that t- today we consider sex work and sexual assault to be immoral. But in many ways, back then, Jacob having sex with all these women, some consensual, but some of it was actually raping slaves uh, to them. Uh, and evidently to God, back then, all of that was a moral act because the highest good was them expanding the species, but also attempting to live out what they believed was God's plan. And they were influences by the they were influenced by the promises of God to Abraham of the you know rich blessings and all that, and their attempt to contribute to the line of the coming Messiah. Like that's why they were like so worried about like making all these kids. They wanted to like be in the line of the Messiah. They, okay, I'm just gonna go ahead and say that was OT. And there's stuff in that story that we can really love, and there's stuff in that story that, luckily, Jesus came and he changed the law. And he is the one that we're going to use as an example in this situation, which is WWJD, not be ripping spliffs with whoever you were doing that with. By by the way, who were you doing that with? I'm not going to tell you that because I want to respect my friend's privacy. Uh, did you get it from Bricks Brixton's older brother? I'm not going to tell you, sir. Well, I can read body language, and right now I'm pretty sure that is, and I'm going to be calling his older brother right after this. I didn't say that. Did you know what Jacob's first uh, baby was named when um, he had it with the, the handmaid that was held down? No. <laughs> the baby's name was Dan. Doesn't what, what? feel very OT. <laughs> uh, Daniel, yeah, it's... No, it wasn't Daniel. It was Dan. Genesis 30. And you find that funny? That actually was one of the things we were really laughing about when we were high. <laughs> uh, wait, the, the name Dan? Yeah, Dan. Well, da- yeah, that's clearly something that's pretty stupid because the name, I think the name Dan is cool. And so when you're smoking pot and you're laughing your heads off over something silly like the name Dan, maybe you should check your choices. You know, it's not um, silly is that uh, Rachel gave her handmaid over to Jacob to bear a child. And as she said in the Bible, on my knees, she said, go to her and she will bear a child on my knees that I may also have children by her. And um, it's kind of like what, you know, Sarah gave Hagar to Abraham as a surrogate mother type arrangement from Genesis 16. But this type of thing where she said, uh, she will bear a child on my knees. It refers to the surrogate, or we could also call her survivor. Um, it refers to uh, that survivor sitting in the lap of the adoptive mother, both during insemination and birth. It's exactly like Hamid's tale, and it's in the Bible. <sighs> and after all that, God blessed Rachel by opening her womb, quote unquote, which I don't even want to talk about how many times the Bible in Genesis, First Samuel, multiple times in the gospel. God opens and closes wombs as he sees fit. That probably doesn't feel good for Christian women who are desperate to conceive. Well, you know, when God closes a door, he opens a womb. 
I just use all that as an example of how God's moral law evolves and shifts all over Christian scriptures. Like if you think about how Lot offered his virgin daughters to a bunch of rapists and then God kills Lot's wife. And so those same two daughters get Lot hammered and have sex with their dad and both get pregnant from him. I mean, today I believe we'd frown upon incest for procreation and probably chalk that up to being God's moral rule. Not true. Today, if someone sleeps with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of different people, we judge them as being sexually immoral. But with King David, God called it his blessing. O-T, O-T, O-T. Okay. Well, I mean, if you want to talk about New Testament, like you can talk about how there is a possibility that Jesus was usher, trying to usher in an age of acceptance in Matthew 19 when he talked about, like, not everyone can accept this teaching, but only those who it has been given to. Like, let anyone accept this who can. I mean, at the time he was addressing divorce and eunuchs, but it sounds like he's trying to open up a conversation about an age of acceptance that that could be a way to interpret that if you're looking to redeem the text. But I honestly, I struggle with whether or not we should be redeeming the text or rejecting that as a problematic text. Today, I'm sure he wasn't calling of an age of acceptance to get stoned with your friends in some in somebody's basement and laugh about the name Dan. So I don't think he was calling in an age of that. And so, you know, Jesus, yeah, buddy, love everybody. Uh, you know, l- love your neighbor as yourself. I don't think he's out there going, you know, let's let's spark a marijuana cigarette. But I, I just mean like when he says, let anyone accept this who can, like right. you're only responsible for the information you're given, for instance. You know what I mean? So like if you don't know about non-binary people, then, you know, that's one thing. But once you know, and you have been asked to respect people's pronouns, stuff like that, you know, like my mom refuses to do, like Jesus himself was saying, like, it, it, not everyone can accept the teaching, only the ones who have been, who it's been given to. Day, you know, so if you're every single the conversation to, these days doesn't have to just take a detour right into somebody being non-binary. I just really think that that is just something that everybody just gets to throw around right now uh, to distract from the real issue. And the real issue is that you smoked pot, buddy, and I'm calling you out. And I hope every single teen listening to that that's over there going, oh, my pronouns are this, that, and the other thing is going, hey, maybe I shouldn't smoke pot because that is not cool and I don't want to sound dumb like Day is. I sound dumb. You're sounding pretty dumb right now. Well, I mean, you always, I think, have to look at what's deeper, you know? Like, for instance, in Indiana, everybody's all upset about, like, trans kids using the bathroom that they should be using. Where, like... Honestly, what's at the bottom of like, say there's a woman who doesn't want a trans woman in the women's bathroom, right? Yeah, every woman. What's at the essence of that? Uh, The essence of that is that women are frightened of cis men. Like that's the essence. It's not, it's that cis men are a threat to women. That's why they're, that's the essence of what's happening there. Yeah, no way. They, They are not a threat to women. They are the protectors of women. We are the protectors of women. Good one. We are the good ones are protectors of women. The number one threat to women is men. Who says? I mean, statistics. You know what they say about statistics? Well, I know what uh, Mark Twain says about statistics, oh, but it geez. has a swear word in it. 
I can't say it. Okay, yeah, don't say it. Day again, I think you just come on here to, uh, and I can see why your mom is crying, okay? Because she's disappointed, I'm disappointed, and then as soon as you try to pin this down on you and just have you admit, I blew it, I really blew it, and I let everybody down, and I let God down, you going non-binary this, uh, you know, spirit of the law, letter of the law, that. I'm just trying to, well, your idea of why what I did was wrong is all based in biblical stuff. So I'm trying to break down like, well, if you want to use the Bible as your reference, then like, let's really look at what's in there. Like, let's really be honest about what's in there. And the whole reason I said Jesus may have been possibly uh, suggesting an age of acceptance is that maybe the these things can be open conversations and it's not about laws and rules and referencing the scriptures for answers that are not in there. For instance, Jesus says, uh, like, what does Jesus say um, is the second greatest commandment? Love thy neighbor as, as thyself. Right. Mark twelve thirty one. right? Right. So what is a cool intrinsic part of that right there? Okay. Loving yourself. Like... No, day. love thy neighbor as thyself. Yeah, it's worth mentioning that the phrasing almost makes it sound like it's assumed that loving yourself is fundamental. I mean, what if instead of understanding the Bible, you know, sees us as like sinful wretches who should prioritize selflessness, by the way, what a terrible thing to hold in high regard. What if you read the words of Jesus is saying and you hear the message of loving yourself? Instead of like shaming and, and making, you know, this moving target of morality, like all wrapped up in scripture, like, again, it's a problematic text, Dang, Gray. Of course, there are things that we don't like about the Bible, okay? And it, but remember, this is God breathed words, okay? Right. And we don't always understand what the words of God are breathing. You know, sometimes we have to, in, you know, and I, hate to use this metaphor right now, but sometimes we have to inhale those words and hold it for a second <laughs> before we just pass. Don't, it, um, it's not funny, okay? And hold it for a second before we, you know, pass <laughs> judgment on them. So I'm going to just lead you back to that idea of trust and obey. There is no other way. It's a song that's not in the Bible. But Well, obey is in the Bible, Obey is Shepherd Fairy's fashion line. What? Well, Dang. Where do you get that the Bible is the Word of God? Um, how about the Gospel of John, the Word became flesh? So the Word of God is Christ. Totally. So the Word of God is the human and Christ. And vice versa. The, well, according to John 1, 1, the Word of God is actually the human being, Jesus Christ. Right. And Jesus Christ is the Word of God. Right. So when Jesus Christ says the only two commandments are love God and love yourself and love people the way you love yourself, like against that, there is no law. Like, how do you square that? Also, that doesn't say that the Bible text that you have sitting in front of you is the word of God. Where is that found? Throughout the whole thing and on a lot of nice dish towels. 
you're probably talking about Second Timothy three sixteen as the biblical reference for the inerrancy of Scripture, yeah, but that's totally. an impossibility and a logical fallacy because the writer had no idea that what they were writing would be in the canon that we have now, like that you have sitting in front of you in that leather bound book. Like he's the writer said, all Scripture is inspired by God. First right. of all, inspired does not mean directly written by, but also all scripture is inspired by God. He, he, the writer is referring to the Jewish scriptures that existed at the time of the writer of Timothy. So he's referring to those Jewish texts that were the Jewish law. I mean, the canon, the canon only became an issue when the Roman empire wanted to make Christianity the official religion of the state. And they needed to decide what was good theology and what was heretical theology so that they knew the grounds on which they could punish people by death for heresy. Day, you can't watch Inception one time and then think, yeah, all missed a, hey, I can go forward and backward in time and like, you know, one cancels out the other or, or whatever. What's Inception? Oh, geez. It's a really awesome movie. Anyway, okay. Day, so, So yes. you're looking for scripture to support your idea that the word of God is that biblical text in front of you and also that it is infallible and inerrant. Yes. Okay. I'm not you, looking for it. I've got it. It's right here. But <laughs> the writers of the Bible had no idea that what was in front of you, that collection of stories. They, I just have to assume that these guys, these men of God, heard the voice of God and they wrote down what God wanted. And they are not asking themselves, you know, they are God's instruments. They're saying, make me an instrument. And they're just doing it. And... Then, you know, God's going to put it all together in his big kind of master plan that he's got. But these, you know, they we're all part of a, of a, you can think of it like a big machine. And you do this, and I do this, and I blow up this, and you push down this, and then, uh, you know, the machine works. And that is what these God-breathed words were doing through these men when they heard God speaking to them. Okay. It's all kind of the big plan, you know what I mean? Yeah, but it wasn't until the Protestant Reformation that we started creating the idea of the inerrant and infallible scriptures. And what? that was because they needed to declare the Bible as sacred and perfect and inerrant and infallible so that they could protest the Catholic Pope as not the ultimate authority. Well, he's not, and he's definitely not now. They just needed an authority above him. So for the first time ever, the protesters of the Pope, the Protestants, the Protestants, introduced the idea that the Bible is the Word of God. That was the first time it ever came up, and that wasn't until the Protestant Reformation. The Bible was never considered to be the Word of God before the Protestant Reformation. Did you know that? Doesn't matter if I knew that, because guess what, buddy? God is bigger than the Protestant Reformation, and God is bigger than this whole little nitpicky thing that you're doing of you know choosing one thing and then another. God has a plan, and this, this awesome book right here in front of me is our tool to understanding that plan. This podcast is sponsored by Talkspace. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. By talking or texting with a supportive licensed therapist at Talkspace, you'll gain insights, discover truths, and experience breakthroughs that will improve how you live and how you feel. With Talkspace, just answer a few questions online, and you'll be matched with a therapist. And because you'll meet your therapist online, you don't have to take time off work or arrange childcare. You'll meet on your schedule, whenever you feel most at ease. Plus, Talkspace works with most major insurers, and most insured members only pay a $25 copay or less. No insurance? No problem. 
If you want to make progress toward a mentally healthier place, Talkspace is here for you. Now get $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com. Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com. Save $80 with code SPACE80 at Talkspace.com. think your problem is with the bible is that you take it literally i mean as well you should because you're part of an evangelical culture that believes that it is literal but you run into a bunch of stuff that makes absolutely no sense if it's literal like it might might be meant to be a metaphor or an allegory like okay for instance why don't we look at what it literally says and look at it literally like and try to make sense of it okay great I, i know last time i was on here we talked about uh the creation story um, but there was a bunch of stuff that I still think about that we didn't talk about. Like, for instance, God... Oh, like how much weed was growing in the Garden of Eden? Because guess what? None. Okay. It wasn't ever mentioned, was it? I just want you to apply your literal uh, approach to what's actually in the the kickoff of the Bible, the word of God, quote unquote. Like, God created day and night a few days before he made the sun. Okay. Well, it looks like God designed all the animals to be vegetarians. So why are they all eating each other? God called the firmament heaven and he called the dry land earth. Literally calling things by names would require there to be language. What language was God speaking when he was naming all these things? And why would he have been using language? What would language even possibly be at that point? Like there was no reading or writing or even any mandible bones or larynx or mouths to make the sounds that make words. They haven't you ever like been around your house and no one's home and you're talking to yourself a bit? And it makes you feel better. So maybe God was just having a chat. In the creation story, God said that he wanted humans to be vegetarian. He said that the fruit of the trees will be your meat. I actually now wonder why he even used a word for meat if there was no such thing as eating each other. In chapter two, it says there were plants and herbs growing before God invented rain. But he didn't. Well, have you ever seen a cactus? And it says he didn't have anyone to till the ground, so he made a man. So it stands to reason that the humans were created for agriculture, which, as it turns out, destroys the earth, which you'd think God would have seen a few chess moves ahead. I don't, God doesn't play chess, I'm telling you. Okay, okay. The, this is an awesome story, okay? Maybe some of those words have been sort of changed in translation or where we understand them differently. But I still believe that God is going to be behind those changes. He's going to be the guy that's, you know, he is the editor at the newspaper of the, of the, of the, of the thing that we're reading. What? I'm just saying that God is in control. Okay. God's in control. He knows, he knows how to, to make sure that we get these, these messages. Okay. So if he's in control and it's all meant to be taken literally, as everyone knows, Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 contain contradicting creation stories, right? Chapter 2, you know, right. it says yeah, God. Yeah, said all that last episode. I didn't say this. In chapter two, it says that God planted a pretty garden with four rivers coming out of it with gold and onyx and bdellium. Okay. And then um, he put a man that in there that he made out of dirt into the garden to dress it and to keep it. And so, you know, man was created to garden, right? Which you'd think if the sole purpose of the creation of humanity was to care for the earth, you'd think that Christians would be the most raging environmentalists of all time, but they're not environmental. I'm just afraid they're kind of mental. But um, let's look at the differences between the two accounts in case you're unfamiliar. In chapter two, God created the garden and then the man, and then he put a tree in the garden that would kill the man, which also seems kind of weird and cruel, almost like a Hunger Games thing. But again, speaking of morality, 
morality, you know, today, if a mom made a person, you know, had a baby and then put them in a playpen and had a bunch of plush toys and then one toy that was laced with deadly poison, she'd be thrown in jail for murder, right? We would think that was immoral, but by putting a death trap in the garden, God doesn't seem like a loving creator to me, but a vivisecting sociopath. Why make that tree? You could say the same thing about that pot plant that you smoked. <laughs> anyway, uh, as everybody knows, Genesis chapter 2 was actually written first, so I'll just start there really quick. It says that God made the earth, he planted a pretty garden, he made a man to be the gardener, and then he put in a deadly tree. And then, you know, he thought Adam seemed alone, so he made all the animals, and he had Adam name them and see if any of them would be a good wife. Up until that point, Adam picking a life partner that was a beast of the field or a fowl of the air was God's only idea, which seems odd to me, morally, but whatever. Evidently, God wanted Adam to do an early season of The Bachelor where Adam goes through all the animals but doesn't end up giving any of them a rose. Okay, Day, I'm not going to let you talk about reality TV because you don't know what you're talking about, and I do. I was on God's house. I'm sorry how that went down for you, man. Second of all, you know what? It's like you, you, you sulk around Climax all the time, barely saying anything with your weird little friends and then you come on here and it's like you're selling a micro machines or something i just don't understand where all these words come from so what i'm gonna have to ask you to do day is just cool out and just stop all your nitpicking with this stuff because i'm trying to teach you i don't even know how we got back to this genesis stuff when i feel like we've really gone over this and I'm talking about you doing drugs. I don't want you doing drugs. Okay. Okay. Don't do drugs, bottom line. The whole reason we got back to this is because I'm trying to suggest that maybe if you don't take the Bible literally, it starts to make more sense and it actually could be more useful. And um, I was just wanting to have you look at... Uh, and I know it's hard to use the word literally because people throw it around as a word that doesn't mean anything, but evangelicals use the word literally as literal, as in you take the Bible literally. So anyway, like for instance, I just want you to be literal and um, and then simultaneously try to make sense of this. Like, okay, for instance, God made day and night light and darkness on the first day, but he didn't make the sun, moon, or stars until the fourth day. God also seemed to think that the moon was a light source and not a rock caught in a gravitational pull that the sun was shining on for 28 days at a time, and he didn't seem to know that there is no visible moon for three nights out of every month. And it pains me to be using the male pronoun when referring to God, but that's just sort of a cultural norm, I suppose. Anyway, according to chapter one, God made both man and woman on the sixth day. And here's where it gets really weird. And actually, can I borrow your Bible for a second? Sure, here. Okay, let me look at this. I'm going to read this. So the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs, and he closed up the flesh thereof. And the rib which the Lord got had taken from the man, he made a woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She should be called woman. She was taken out of man. Again, naming things as if language was one of the things God created after the Hunger Games death tree, and not a development made by humans evolving and developing language along with the use of tools over a long time. But anyway. Are you, it's like a Micro Machines commercial at this point. First, uh, chapter 2, verse 24. Therefore, shall a man leave his father and his mother and cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. I literally can't believe we're going back over this. Anything seem weird to you there, Gray? I guess cleaving a woman sounds a bit weird. No, that's true. But the thing that stuck out to me is, 
a man shall leave his father and mother at this yeah. point of creation. What on earth is a father or a mother? How would that even be something you would reference? You know what I mean? God's outside of time. He already knew all that stuff. Well, it is a verse from later in the Bible because it's a verse from Ephesians and it's also a Jesus quote from Matthew 19, but it seems like it got inserted into Genesis from some writer, say, way later. Because at this point, there was such thing as a father or a mother. We all, all we have at this point is this like primordial groundling made from dust and what a sci-fi would consider a cloned creature and they're naked on a brand new planet. What is this bizarre reference to parents? Doesn't it take reproduction to make children, to make parents? So maybe somebody came along way after the text was written and put in a little bit of propaganda like, hey, everybody, men have to cut themselves away from their mom's apron strings and hook their wagon to a new female who will feed them and clean up after them. That's the biblical way, as you can clearly see from the beginning of time. Well, of course it does if you make it sound like a freaking comic book day, but it's not, okay? It's literal. Is it possible that God made changes and revisions through writers as time went on? Maybe, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Okay. You know, he could, but, but it's still God doing it. Great, so why did that stop? Like, is it possible that this deity could still be looking to make revisions, but we're like, nope, sorry, we canonized the dang thing, and now it's a static text that we believe still speaks to every human condition, even as science, industry, technology, humanity, and culture rapidly change and revise, but we will absolutely not let that happen to this collection of stories? Well, Day, if... If God wanted to edit and revise the Bible, I think we would know when he wants to do it. Okay, he'll let us know. It's not like a freaking blog or something. Okay, so then a serpent who evidently had legs, maybe it was a monitor, a lizard or something. The serpent somehow spoke to Eve, even though snakes don't have the anatomy or physiology to speak or make sounds. So there must have been like, what? How did, how did he do that? Maybe snakes used to have legs and could speak. Oh, so they evolved? No. Just there were different kind of snakes then. They all died off. Okay, so Eve ate the fruit, she gave it to Adam, then noticed they were naked. If you take it literally, they evidently had a needle and thread somehow, even though those were not items that were listed in the things that God created. But the Bible says that they sewed a fig leaf apron. Oh, you can sew with branches and reeds. And then it said the voice of God was going for a walk. Just his voice, not his body, according to the text. Hey, the I, I've heard people throw their voices. They do it all the time in the outback. The voice of God was going for a stroll, and even though he's omniscient god couldn't find adam and he even had no idea that they ate from the tree either that or he was faking how do you know this isn't just a little misdirect trying to keep us interested in the story oh okay well as you know adam threw eve under the bus guy got pissed took the legs off the snake cursed eve with what god calls the sorrow of having children not a great endorsement for motherhood and then said adam was going to rule over eve are we cool with that uh day i do relate to the sorrow of motherhood when i think about what your mom is going through right now oh man although i must say that god's punishment including um adam ruling over her does make sense actually because patriarchy definitely is a curse but mm -hmm. God's curse continues. The Bible says Adam will rule over her and her desire will only be for him. So it's worth noting to me, again, if you want to take this stuff literally, that God thinks that a woman desiring only a man is a punishment. So could that mean that a woman desiring a woman is the opposite of a punishment? Could be. Or maybe it's more of a polyamorous thing, like desiring only a man is punishment. But who knows, maybe enjoying a lot of men or women or non-binary people. Maybe that's where it's at. You know, if you don't want to suffer, I mean. But I don't even know how Pollyanna got into this. And I am really, really just at this point, day, I've got to tell you, I'm shutting this one down until you 
spend some time thinking about your actions because what you're doing right now is shifting blame to everything else like patriarchy and all this stuff. Let me tell you, it's solely on your shoulders, the decisions that you made. And that's why I had to drag your butt in here and and really, you know, teach you a thing or two. I feel like I've learned a lot. Good. I have a question. Uh, what? Well, when Adam and Eve ate the fruit, God's, yeah. God, um, it, it doesn't say who God was talking to, but God said to a group, he said, the man has become one of us. Who is us? The Trinity. The Trinity? Yeah. Where do you get that from? The Bible. Oh, boy, if you're a big fan of the Trinity, don't go looking for it in the Bible because it's not there. Yeah, it is, Day. The Trinity? Yeah. No. There's no mention of the Trinity in the Bible. I mean, give me a reference, but... Well, the Bible speaks of the Father as God, it speaks of Jesus as God, and it speaks of the Holy Spirit as God. And so, if you kind of take those and put them together, that gives you the Trinity. But that's not in the Bible. That's a doctrine that was developed in the early 3rd century. Well, Day, you know, it has a lot of references to all three of those things. It's just not in the Bible. And you're assuming, when when God says the man has become like one of us, it doesn't say who God's talking to. You're assuming it's the Holy Ghost and Jesus, but it doesn't say that. It doesn't say. It doesn't say. And it could be, who. it could just as easily be that he was talking to Lucifer, the prince of darkness. Or maybe he wasn't the prince of darkness yet because he hadn't fell. Oh, or maybe he had fell because he was the snake. I don't know. Maybe everybody was as confused as I am about what darkness and light was at this point. But we know from the Bible that, um, you know, they have fun heaven and hell check-ins all the time. Like Satan and his demons come up and they like shake it down with God in the throne room or yeah, whatever. They, well, you've never had a job, so you don't know what a staff meeting is. And I think that was pretty similar. All right. Well, I think when God said, if you think I was talking to Jesus and the Holy Spirit, which is a total assumption, then I'd like to think that, um, you know, God was talking to um, Archangel Michael and Satan and some like orc demons and they were all playing fantasy know, football or they were inventing SoundCloud or something football. because, you know, what? evidently they're not bound by time, as you uh, said. Okay, whatever day. So it turns out the death tree that God um, had threatened them with was actually an eternal life tree. Like, let, let, let's talk about that for a second. So it, the... It being a death tree was a lie, so God lies to humans like right from the very start. Note taken, you know? So now they're going to live eternally because they ate from the tree, like getting bit by a vampire? So, I mean, then all we know is that he kicked Adam and Eve out of the garden, and the Bible says he put a cherubim angel at the east entrance, and he had a flaming sword that was turning every which way. My question is, are Adam and Eve still alive and well today? Because this says quite literally, that they ate from an eternal life fruit. So are they still alive? Like, could they be among us right now? Could it be Jay-Z and Beyonce? Are they the eternal No, enemy? it's definitely not Jay-Z and Beyonce. Jeez. Bill and Hillary? No. <sighs> what? Sick. The Property Brothers? What? I don't know. Maybe could be. Anyway, they... that'd be great. 
Okay, fine. Yeah, there are some things that we just don't understand, but we are not meant to understand everything in the Bible day. We will learn in good time, especially when we're in heaven, which is a place, need I remind you, that if you don't straighten up, buddy, I'm not sure if I'm seeing your name on the on the uh, on the table setting. Do you know who wrote Genesis? God. I mean, literally wrote it down? Yeah. No, and neither do you. Well, I mean, we know that there were different sources in the Pentateuch. Do you know what the Pentateuch is? Yes. Okay. Well, the hypothesis is that the Pentateuch is a compilation of four originally independent documents, and different writers could be J, E, D, and P. So J is the Yahwist, E is the Elohist, D is Deuteronomist, and P is the they're the priestly sources so the first of these j is probably who wrote genesis but if you look at the writing of the creation story it reads like a poem and if you look at pagan literature that predates the j writer or predates the writing of genesis the creation story is a direct lift from any of the pagan poems that predate the writing of the bible so reading it as a poem and not as literal makes it make much more sense but for some reason christians want to uh, this like plagiarized text to be a contemporary science book with answers about how we got here. And if anyone thinks there are answers about how we got here in this text, you're either not reading it or you're not thinking about what you're reading, which is called comprehension. So taking this literally is beyond comprehension. Pentateuch? Okay, I guess I was thinking of Penn and Teller. Really good show. I saw it in Vegas once. So... I don't know. I'll stop harping on it, but I just think that it's worth noting that our society still demands that we teach these creation stories that make no sense and contradict each other. And they're supposed to be like science. Like Christians get all bent out of shape about evolution being taught in public schools as if it's going to turn their kids away from God. But I actually wonder if the thing that will make kids turn away is if they read the Bible. Counterpoint, I think if they do read the Bible, they're going to see the person of Jesus, and that is going to make them into the person that they want to be and that God wants them to be. And right now, Day, you are not the person that Jesus wants you to be. I'm not. I mean, you are, but you just, but you gotta, I just don't want you smoking reefer, okay? Okay. 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 Side note. Speaking of creation uh, and evolution, uh, speaking of Jacob and his striped goats, remember that story? No. That was a story in the Bible about genetic engineering and biblical evolution that predated Mendel and Darwin by at least 2,000 years. What in the heck are you talking about? All I'm saying, Gray, is that two billion Christians base their entire moral philosophy on the Bible, and it's a collection of stories containing genocide, rape, incest, and bigotry. The least you could do is know what is in there. There's a lot of good stuff in there, too, Day. I know. And so you say your values come from the Bible and your morality is based on, you know, God's rules. And I, I, I just, I truly believe that most Christians have no idea at all what is in this book. And, you know, everyone cherry picks. Like, that's what I've been doing this whole time. You know what I mean? But like, right, right. we, yeah, we cherry pick. You ch you cherry know, pick. It's like a cherry blossom festival over here. But you cherry pick like things that always are going to like condemn anything other than heterosexual monogamy. But you disregard passages about silencing women, endorsing slavery. And I get it. We, we. We cherry pick all the time. We do it to the Constitution. We do it to the Mueller report or Shakespeare or anything that's hard to read. It, it's like, is that why we gather together for a week in church? Like to have someone else tell us what's in the Bible so they can put a good spin on it? They, we are not cherry picking the Constitution. I'll tell you that. The Constitution is perfect and unchanging, just like God in the Bible.
the constitution is unchanging yeah actually maybe we should take a page from the constitution and you know because like they've literally changed it 27 times to make it a living breathing document no they haven't what do you think amendments are uh I'm just saying, if you're going to base your life you sh on something, you should read all of it. And I mean, I'm guilty of it too. I didn't read the Mueller report. I let a journalist give me the highlights of what was in there. You know, we reference pieces that serve us when we haven't even taken the time to consider the whole. Don't get me started, honestly, on the Constitution, especially if you are a female or a person of color. Whew, doggy, you got to be careful reading the Constitution because it's going to hurt. You might get more of an idea of why it's so hard for men to understand consent or why there's so much disgusting oppression by patriarchy and so-called Christian white supremacists. But, you know, we say, oh, the Constitution is awesome. You haven't read it, dog. You just quote the Second Amendment and the freedom of speech and religion. But there is some evil, wicked, disgusting stuff in there about how to beat your wife without killing her what? and saying that people of color are three-fifths human. Dang. We have built this country on the idea that only white men are fully human greatest nation on earth we dehumanize everyone who isn't a cis white male okay that's enough that's enough that's enough leave the cis white men alone we've had enough don't like your tone <laughs> sorry what are you what is that i'm watching something on my phone I'm tired of listening to you what are you watching I'm watching Inception. If I'm going to be stuck in a time loop, I might as well do something that's a bit more entertaining. Okay. It's really good. De Labonte was played by none other than Holly Laurent. You can hear her every single week on this podcast playing Holly Laurent. Gray Haas was played by Greg Hess. Follow us and Mega the Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. And if you really want to get out of hell free card, support us on Patreon. The link is in the show notes. <laughs>